When I was a kid, my best friend's name was Kyle. And Kyle and I did everything together. Kyle and I were Cub Scouts, all the way up through Boy Scouts together. We did, or we were in elementary school together, and, and our parents hung out. We, we, we were always together. And one thing Kyle and I loved to do together was skateboard and ride our bikes. And more specifically, jump our skateboards and bikes off of and over things that no small boy should ever be allowed to do. Like, it's irresponsible. And, and not only that, we would build our own ramps. And I'm not saying like we'd take a rock and then lay a piece of wood over it and we're like, oh, I made a ramp. No, we would sneak into our dad's tool sheds and we would get the, the buzz saw, we would get the drill, we'd get plywood and two by fours and screws and we would build a ramp. The only problem is, is we're six and we have no carpentry skill whatsoever. Like it was, I can't believe our dads just let us <laughs> Like, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm building a ramp. Like, sick, I'm going to go in the garage. It's like, see you later, Dad. But anyway, so one day we got the bug to build a ramp. And not only build a ramp, but use that ramp to jump over Kyle's dad's truck. Right, I know, I hear how stupid that is now. But when I was six, it was awesome. So we go into the wood pile and we find this sheet of plywood for like the surface part that was less of a sheet of plywood and more of like a piece of Swiss cheese. So it was like sketchy at best, like you could, it was rotted and wet, it was, it was terrible. And so we built this ramp and we, we put it up next to the truck and it's not like a stock pickup truck, which is already a pretty large vehicle. No, it was a Ford F-350, long bed, crew cab, four by four, six inch lift, 35 inch tires. It had the 460 big block, not the 73 power stroke. Nobody cares about that except for Robert. But, um, <laughs> um, it did, so it's not a normal truck, it's massive. Truckzilla would be an appropriate name for this truck. And so as we're pushing this ramp up there, it really starts to set in to my gut. I'm like, this is, this is probably not a good idea. I'm like, but hey, we'll see what happens, right? YOLO, as the kids say. Um, I don't think they say that anymore, actually. <laughs> but uh, so we pushed this ramp up there, and, and we like climbed to the top of this hill. And in Kyle's neighborhood, there's this huge hill. Like, do you guys know where Spring Valley is? Anyone? Well, it's this neighborhood over kind of by, there's like a big blue octagon church over in Patterson. That's irrelevant. Um, but there's this huge hill in it. And so he climbs all the way to the top of the hill. And as he gets up there, I'm like, this is a really bad idea. I can't believe we're gonna about to do this. And it turns out that six-year-old Sean is a big chicken and wants no part of this lunacy, except for he's super willing to watch to see what happens to Kyle. And so Kyle gets up there and the whole world goes silent. You can hear his heartbeat. And then he starts to pedal and he pedals super fast and super hard. It's as if he's tearing the fabric of space and time to self. There's blacktop flying everywhere, obvious exaggeration. But he comes down the hill and he hits that ramp and what we thought was gonna happen looked a lot like this. But in reality, it looks more like this, almost exactly like this. Kyle hits the ramp and it falls into a pile of garbage beneath the behemoth of a truck. Now the ramp goes to the ground, but Kyle keeps going through the air. He's just sailing, like his dreams, nothing could bring him down. 
And at that moment, we both realized this was a bad plan, and we should have never, ever come to this conclusion that this was going to be fun. But anyway, Kyle's flying through the air, and then all of a sudden, the moment of clarity is over, and he hits the ground and goes skidding across the pavement. And guys, like, I could not believe it, but Kyle gets up completely unharmed, is what I wish I could tell you. <laughs> Kyle turned his collarbone into glue that day. <laughs> The inside of his shoulder probably looked like a snow globe, just bone everywhere. Like he, he probably slid like 30, 40 feet, just like, Arr! and so, and we're not like, it's not like we're 15, you know, we're, so, <laughs> we're six. <laughs> this is, and much like the hot rod clip, we're six and hit the truck, it goes flying. It was crazy. But Kyle got hurt because the ramp we had built was built on shifting materials not on the solid rock. And when it was hit with force, it was destroyed. And that's what I wanna to talk to you guys about tonight, is building our lives on a foundation of solid rock instead of shifting sands. And we achieve that by building our life on Jesus, who is the solid rock. So we are starting tonight in the book of Matthew. And in this teaching, uh, Jesus, it's, it's like regarded as the greatest sermon of all time. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Have you heard of it? It's like where the, the Beatitudes are, the blessed are those who are poor in spirit because they'll inherit the earth, that kind of thing. And Jesus is teaching us how to live and how we can receive the kingdom of heaven. And, and you know how in the Bible there's those sections that have like red letters in them? You know what I'm talking about? That, that means that those are words that Jesus said. So in this section, it's all red. There's not a black letter in it. It's all red. Everything Jesus said. And sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes when I open my Bible, I don't really know what to read. Anybody feel that way sometimes? So I just read the red letters when I feel that way because Jesus said a lot of really awesome stuff. So I might as well start there, right? Well, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Now, pause. Did you hear that? Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Listen and follows it is what? Wise. Nice job. Like a person who builds a rock or a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Anyone who hears it and doesn't obey it is what? Right. Like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So tonight, we're going to look at what it means to build your house on relationship, the solid rock, versus on religion, the shifting sands. But first and foremost, we need to understand that building a house on relationship takes time, and it takes effort. It takes a process. You see, each time we make an effort in building our house, we can take one of these bricks over here. Where's Will? Will's supposed to be building my house for me. I'm a good builder. Yep, sure. You're pay me though, right? Well, I mean, I pay you in like friendship. <laughs> but we take one of these bricks and we can place it on the foundation and now it's solid. So one way we can build up our house of relationship is 
quiet time with Jesus or personal time with Jesus, one-on-one time with Jesus, whatever you want to call it, spending time with Jesus. Now, this is a huge way to build up the walls of our house. Think about it. You don't just become best friends with somebody overnight, right? Like you could go through like a crazy situation with somebody and still not call them your best friend. No, it takes time and effort to build a relationship that lasts a long time. And when we do this, we see the benefit of knowing him more. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Meaning the more time you spend with him, the, the more you seek after his righteousness, the more you are satisfied in him, and the more your hunger and thirst for him grows. And an, another way we can build up our relationship is obedience. Now, living how Jesus instructs us to live is not only doing what he asks, but it's also a form of worship. 1 Samuel 15, says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey the Lord is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. When we obey and make choices based on what the Lord says, it is pleasing to him. It's not a matter of doing it because we have to. Our obedience should be based out of because we love him. We should want to obey God because it shows him honor and love. I mean, think about it. When you do something for your parents with like no fuss, like you just do it, no argument, no sass, no sarcasm, nothing. It makes them feel honored and loved, right? Also, side note, give your parents an easier time. For, like just, just do what they say. It's fine. It's going to be okay. So like when it's the same with Jesus, when we do what he asks us to do out of love, out of respect, it makes him feel so honored and so loved. We obey Jesus because we want to show him we love him. Our motive to obey him is love. And when you're in relationship with him, disobedience costs you something. It has a cost. It has the potential to cause damage in our relationship. In our relationship with Jesus, we see instruction on how to behave, but we also see the benefits of building on the rock. When we look at the Sermon of Mount through the Sermon on the Mount, through the context of relationship with Jesus, we see this sturdy well, it's a wall, but a I house. A, I made a door. See? Oh, there's a door? Cool. So imagine with me this is a house. It's kind of got a roof and a slope. This is it's yeah. Thank you. Wilbur it, everyone. God's will is covering this. God's will is covering. I like that. I like that one. <laughs> but we see this sturdy house. And not only that, but we have room inside to grow and to feel free to meet with Jesus no matter what. No matter what we come up against. And through this relationship with him, we build favor and we build trust. And through that, Jesus wants to bless us with the desires of our heart, right? He wants to give us the things that we want. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Building our house through relationship with him is the easiest way to live an abundant and blessed life. But now, let's look at what it looks like to build our life on the counterfeit, or to build a sandcastle. The counterfeit of relationship is the spirit of religion. Religion takes the heart out of relationship and leaves a lifeless set of rules. 
Religion tricks us into thinking that we have to earn grace and mercy, when in reality, it was ours the whole time. When we look at our lives through the lens of religion instead of relationship, things get extremely hard. We start to experience the word of God in a condemning way. And because we can't possibly be perfect enough to live without sin, we start to subconsciously try and hold other people to this impossible standard. And we find ourselves being judgmental and pious, and we find ourselves trying to be God's legal counsel. But what are the counterfeits? Let's take the example of quiet time with Jesus. Quiet times can be religious very quickly. It's all about the motive in your heart. It's the difference between doing it because you want to and because you have to. The spirit of religion takes your one-on-one time with Jesus and he turns it into a chore. He turns it into a checklist. You're like, bam, I read my Bible. I can go play video games. Or bam, I read my Bible today and I even prayed. (laughs) Check that out. Look at me. I can go to the mall. I can do whatever I want. Did I actually spend one-on-one time with Jesus though? No, I spent one-on-one time with me. That's me-centered when it's about him. Everything is about him. And, and guys, if I'm being honest, I've done this. Like, you're not, you're not the only person who's done this. Everybody's done this. I've done this. And, and sometimes I do. I just get it done because I know I have to. But that's the trap of religion. See, it's hard to know the difference between religion and re- relationship because it's a counterfeit. It's supposed to look like it. And it's hard to tell the difference from the outside. That's why it matters about your heart. Do you want to do it or are you doing it because you have to? Earlier I talked about obedience and how it's a way to worship God. But how many of you know that obedience can become religious faster than just about anything else? It's called legalism. When we see the Bible as just a set of rules, it changes our heart. And are we following the law because we know we should or because we recognize the cost? We we recognize the cost of sin. You see, relationship motivates us to follow the law because we want to show Jesus we love him by upholding his rules. Whereas religion says, I have to follow the rules. Otherwise, I'm a sinner and there's no, I I just, I can't even live because I'm a sinner. And then we, we fail and then it causes us to try harder to not fail. And then when we fail again, we try harder. And then we fail, and we try harder, and over and over again. So we're in this downward spiral of shame because we are very aware of our own imperfections. Like, we, we know exactly what we're struggling with, right? Am I the only one? Like, I know exactly what my imperfections are. And all of a sudden, worship through obedience becomes legalism. It becomes more about worshiping the rules than the God who wrote them. Again, this trap is easy to fall suit to. I can't count the number of times that I found myself striving to earn the love of Jesus. And then I stumble and I feel further and further away from the very love that I am so desperately trying to earn. When in reality, because of the cross, it was mine the whole time. Because Jesus died on the cross, he paid for that love for me. And he gave it willingly for all of us. So let's say that we are living religiously or we are building a sandcastle. That looks really nice, right? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, well done, Will. I picked out the color. It's pretty. It went up super easy, right? It did. There was not a lot of effort. It looks great. It's easy, looks great. What could be wrong with that? Will, would you pick up one of those castles? Yeah. I've practiced this. Okay. Three of them. Dang it. (laughs) 
That looks, yeah, I mean, it's still, it's okay. All right. It still looks decent, right? It's still a structure. What, but what's wrong with it? Ooh, that one's good. That one's good, yeah. Everybody, yeah. How about that it's made of literal dirt? Hey. It's dirt. That's all it is. All that is is a mess dressed up as something pretty. All that is is a mask and a counterfeit. That's what the spirit of religion does to us. It causes us to want to hide our shame and our guilt. And it says, don't look at me. I'm not perfect. And it says, look, but look at all this other stuff that I'm super good at. And that's where pride comes in. That's where insecurity. Did you guys know that pride and insecurity are the exact same thing? They are. When you're insecure about something, you are prideful about every other thing that you are moderately good at. Pride and insecurity are so dangerous. And that's where it comes from is the spirit of religion. But what else is wrong with a sandcastle? How about that there's no room in it? There's no room for growth. There's not even a door. All it is, is yeah, see, you can't get, well, there might be a fake door, but. There's a hole. Yeah, it's not really a door, right? Not really. No. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get in there. There's no room for, for growth. There's certainly not a room for a house. And, and because it's a castle, it, it's built to keep people out. That's what a castle is. It's, it's a defensive tactic. It's a wall. It's a fortress. It's a stronghold. It's designed to keep the people out and everything in it hidden and safe. It's like you just, you can't let go. But all it is, is dirt. Religion goes up fast and takes minimal effort. And all it took was some packed dirt. Whereas relationship takes time and effort. A brick isn't just a bunch of loose sand packed into a bucket that says, look at how perfect and pretty I am, but don't actually look too close because I'm just a mess. I'm just a mess, but, but pay attention to my outside because I've got it all figured out out here, but inside I'm actually broken and depressed and I'm insecure and I don't think I'm good enough. See, a brick takes a process. Did you know that this thing was sand? It was at one point. But then it was mixed with water and mortar, and it was flame-treated until it, and oven-baked until it's a brick. And this thing, oh, like, this thing is heavy. It hurts. <laughs> I mean, I hope none of you in here have ever been hit with a brick, but I've definitely smashed my finger with one. It's serious business. That brick took a process. It took time. It took effort. And when the storms of life hit it, it'll withstand it. When the storms of life come against our houses... Will it stand? When it's built on relationship with Jesus, absolutely. Hey, Pastor, what, yeah, spray that way. Thank you. Yeah. I don't, don't you do it. This is JL's computer. You'll get fired. <laughs> See? Looks great, right? What about when a, like, wind hits it? How does that look? <laughs> we brought our handy-dandy wind machine. Hopefully it fires up for us in Jesus' name. Oh, please. I've had experience with this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get the point, right? <laughs> Is that thing going anywhere? It looks like it's pretty sturdy and withstood the storm to me. You see, Matthew 7, 20... Where's the kill switch? Found it. Okay, we're good. 
Matthew 7.25 says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on solid rock. But what happens when your house is built on a religious spirit? Get the mask yeah. off there. Take the mask off when it's just, it's just you. It's just your mess. What happens? Yeah, see? Thank you. I'm all wet. Sorry. This one could potentially be messy, so let's be intentional with our direction. All right. Okay, 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 okay. You get, you get the idea. It doesn't hold up. It doesn't withstand the storm. Matthew 7, 27 says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, no matter what, we're going to hit rock bottom because every knee will bow. But we can either start on the rock or we can fall to it. It just depends on how far we want to fall. Now, maybe you're sitting here like you may have built a sandcastle and, and you're tired of hiding your dirt with dirt. And maybe the storm has already hit your sandcastle and, and it's just been wiped out. Or maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now and it seems hopeless. But let me tell you, it's not. It's okay because kingdom construction doesn't halt because of bad weather and a storm. It's not like a normal construction crew where when the storm moves in, they pack it in for the day and wait for sunshine. No, when you're building a house in the kingdom, the storm is where you get the most work done. The storm is where everything else falls away and the only thing you have is the solid rock. That's where you build your house is in the storm. All it takes is for us to talk to him. All it takes is for us to tell him about the storm. Tell him what we're struggling with. Tell him about your worries. How about worship him? When you worship Jesus in the middle of a storm, it's like building your house with super strength. It may seem slow and painful, but in reality, the amount of building and intimacy you gain is amazing. And at the end of the storm, you'll not only see that your house survived, but it's bigger and better because you clung to the rock. Uh-oh. Who is it? Should we say hi? Hey, Hope's brother, she's in church, goodbye. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> super, all right. Anyway, so, <laughs> so your house clung because you stuck to the rock. You decided to build your house on the rock. And now, if you didn't and you built a sandcastle, it's okay. Because that, you get to start, you get to rebuild, you get to build in the storm. You get to make the choice now to build. And so what I want everybody to do is I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to take a minute to imagine your life. Picture your house. Is it made of brick? Or is it a sandcastle? Or is it a hybrid of both? I would wager that pretty much everyone in here has a hybrid of sand and brick. And once you've got your house in your mind, I want you to picture Jesus standing there next to you. He's standing there and he's, he's holding his shovel. And he points to the sandy part of your house. And 
He tells you to start digging. And at first you seem reluctant, maybe even standoffish. But eventually you begin digging. And then you notice that Jesus is right there with you, digging, sweating, working. He's there with you, fixing and rebuilding the sandy part of your house. You and Jesus working side by side. Spending every minute together, working hard, growing, building, relying on each other, trusting each other, having faith in one another. You two begin talking about the task at hand, but then you stray into conversation about life in general. You talk to him about your friends. Maybe you have a friend in your life that, that doesn't know him and you wanna to talk to him about how you can how you can bring them to know him. Or maybe, maybe you wanna know about your family. Maybe your family's in shambles and you don't understand why. And so you ask him and, and he tells you because he knows the answer and he knows that it's tough, but he's the solid rock. He's there in the storm. So you keep digging and then you start to ask him questions. Questions like, God, what am I here for? What is my purpose? What am I destined to do? Why am I here? And he tells you not to worry because you were made for a purpose. You were made intentionally. You are no accident. You're not a mistake. He fearfully and wonderfully made you. And he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And he said, I love them. And I am so proud of them. And I cannot wait for the world to see the things that they are capable of. Day after day, you keep working, you keep rebuilding. And you get to the point where you're excited to go to work. You're excited to see him because you love working with him. But then it hits you. You and Jesus are closer than ever before. And not only that, but you're closer to him than anyone. And you wouldn't have it any other way. You look up and you see this amazing, beautiful, breathtaking house. It's exactly what you would want in a home. It's tailor-made to your taste. It's got, it's got wood shingles and stucco on the side and, and really cool rafters. And it's got brick pillars. And the foundation is straight and level and sturdy. And then you open the door and you go in. And there's a warm, roaring fire, the smell of coffee. There's music playing. And Jesus cannot wait for you to come in and sit down and hang out. And as you just sit there in, in the presence with him, maybe not even saying anything, just, just being near him, you feel at home. You catch Jesus' gaze. and He looks at you with this expression of joy, and he's so proud of you. He can't help but smile when he sees you, and he says, there you are, my beloved. Come in, sit down, enjoy a meal with me. tosses you the keys because it's yours and it was all along and you realize you have a relationship with Jesus when you 
felt like you were alone, when you felt like the task at hand was too big and too daunting and you wished you had an excavator, but all you have is a shovel. Jesus is there and that's all you need. Jesus is better than any tool you could ever, ever pay for because he paid for you. You see, this is what relationship with Jesus looks like. Standing in the dirt, side by side with a shovel. And he was there with you the whole way. And the gain from the pain far outweighs the struggle. All it takes is for us to make the decision to build on him when you don't feel like it when you're tired, when, when, when the storm is raging and everything in your life is falling apart and you have no idea how, how this is even gonna work out, all you need is that foundation. All you need is that rock, that lighthouse, that center, whatever metaphor works for you, it's Jesus. And all you need is Him. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, that sounds awesome, that sounds great. But I don't know Him. I don't know Jesus. That's okay, because it's super simple to begin a relationship with him. The Bible says if we can declare with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And that's how we enter into relationship with Jesus. And so what I want everybody to do is in your own words, in your own heart, say this prayer with me. Lord God, Jesus Christ, I need a savior. I am a sinner and I don't know if I'm gonna make it through life without you, but I hear great things about you and I wanna know you, Lord. So I give you my heart and God, I ask that you would take it and you would make it new with the blood shed on the cross, that you would paint it over me and make me new in you because I love you and I need you, and I want to be loved by you, and I want to be known by you. So Lord, I confess my sins, and I ask you to forgive me. And in Jesus' name, I declare that you are the savior of my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I'm just so excited about that. Like, I'm not gonna out anybody or make you raise your hand unless you really want to, but people in here got saved tonight. Like, those are people you're gonna get to see in eternity. Like, those are people that are gonna make it through life because they called upon the name of the Lord. That's something we're celebrating. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna dismiss to our small groups and, and I, I wanna challenge you to maybe discuss this in your small group and be vulnerable and share like, you know, I have mostly a foundation of stone, but in this one corner, it's real sandy, and I'm tired of tracking dirt in the house. Share that. Be open, because that's how we overcome these things, is we be open with each other, vulnerable with each other. I'm going to pray over you guys really quick, and then we're going to dismiss into small groups. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for what was done here today. We thank you that we got to worship you and praise your name, and we thank you that we have friends coming to heaven with us at the end of the road. God, we love you so much, and this is all for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.